Hi, this is Pastor Brian Wolf Miller, Hope Lutheran Church, Aurora, Colorado, co-host of Table Talk Radio. I got Pastor Warren Graff on the phone to talk about a, a favorite topic of his, the counsel of God, and where that comes from in the scripture and what it means. Uh, the audio quality isn't that great. We were recording on the phone, but uh, hopefully you'll uh, listen past that and enjoy the content of this uh, conversation. This is Pastor Brian Wolfhuller, and I have on the phone with me Pastor Warren Graff of Grace Lutheran Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and our topic is the Heavenly Council. Uh, the Heavenly Council you hear talked about in the Scriptures and a lot in the old theologians, but that phrase itself and the idea of that phrase has really fallen out of our own theological vocabulary, and I uh, am particularly interested, I know Pastor Graff as well, in, in reintroducing that into our normal conversation. Pastor Graff, how are you? Brian, hi. Just fine. Thank you. The Heavenly Council, you probably are the person that talked about this to get it on my radar. When you say Heavenly Council, what are you talking about? Well, it's shown in Scripture in a number a number of places, but it starts, we can say, in Genesis, in the, uh, the account of the creation, when we have the Creator God saying, um, let us make man in our image, something that we wouldn't necessarily... Um, expect well we wouldn't expect it we would expect god to say i will now make man in my image or something of that order but it is a plural let us make man in our image and then of course it goes on to say that man is both man and woman uh in other words humans humankind and all of that but we have let us make man in our image and then as we look at the text of genesis we see uh, what we can see there the the uh persons of the father the son and the holy spirit where we have the Father creating, but he creates by speaking, um, by speaking a word, let there be light, let there be water. And, and, and on in that word then we know, especially from John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, that word is the person of God the Son. So we have the Father creating by sending forth the word, and then we have the Holy Spirit who is hovering, that's the translation most uh, most often in our Bibles, who's hovering over over the depths. Um, but the but that word for hovering is a Hebrew word that is uh, belongs to birds. Uh, it would be more like swooping. So you get this imagery of the Father creating by sending forth a word, uh, the word going forth and creating what the Father has sent him to do, and then the Holy Spirit distributing these gifts as he swoops over all of creation. So there you have a plurality of persons in one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but in this creation, he creates also the angels, the the spirit beings. Um, So you have these angels who are not, of course, what we have maybe in movies and such, they're not people who have died and become some sort of ghost or angel. That's that's a, a pagan belief coming out of Hollywood, you might say. But rather, they're created spirit beings. And they have position at the heavenly council. So we're given a picture of a heavenly council chamber, uh, like a king's uh, throne, where the Father is presiding, the Holy Spirit is there, the Son is there, and then it is surrounded as we say in the liturgy of the church, by all the angels and archangels. But it, but it is surrounded in some fashion by these hosts of angels. 
so let me see if I, I can kind of split this up a little bit. So you have, we have in especially Genesis one the plurality of plurality of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but then they're not. They are. There's a conversation between the persons. Uh, let us so that there's speaking, and that that speaking is in fact um, that conversation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is is bringing forth uh, the reality that we know as creation. Yes, and and that is that's a critical point for us because that the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit do it in their we can say their in, internal conversation with each other is what shows us the true God versus uh, the false gods that we sinners later create. When you create a false god, um, I think you can say that you're going to end up with a picture of the true God, but it will be damaged. Uh, it'll be perverted in one of two ways. One is that you will have just one God who is one person. And that's the the false god or the pagan god of, say, the Mormons or the Muslims. And because this god is not in conversation, and creation is not part of a peaceful, life-giving conversation of the persons, you end up with an arbitrary god that's who, who rules by dictates, rules, regulations, control over people, and, and the sword all of a sudden makes sense. Right. On the other hand, well, yeah, if... if 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 you don't go and make the mistake then of having one God, one person, then what are you going to do to damage this picture of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit as one God? And the way you'll do it is you'll end up with many gods, many persons, which is, of course, all the polytheistic religions. Um, in the scriptures, we're seeing that in what in Baalism, those who worship Molech, but then you know later in, in uh, the history of the world, it comes in the Roman gods, uh, the Greek gods, and these gods are always in warfare with each other, de- deceiving each other, lying to each other, uh, even doing human sin with each other, such as adultery, um, uh, violence. So the gods are actually killing each other each year in the seasons. So to have this true God, who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit in conversation, gives us the true way of seeing um, creation as a conversation of peace, wholeness, procreation, and, and all the rest. So, so just to flesh that out again, so we we have the that God. There's one God and three persons. So that the error on the one side is to say is to deny the persons, and that's where you get like you mentioned Muhammad or the Muslims. Where, but and the result is that that God only can speak in power. In power. And then there's yeah. the error on the other side, which is to deny the singularity of God, the one godness, and you have multiple gods. But the result is, in fact, the same. That whenever you have multiple gods, it's now a contest of power again. So the only way to have really grace or mercy or, or love is to have the understanding of the heavenly council that there is one God, but that that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. And in that conversation, the Father sets the way in the conversation that he will not be arbitrary in his dispensing of judgment. He could be. He has every right to be. He has the power to be. But he will not be arbitrary in his dispensing of judgment against a sinner because he sets the way for him uh, to hear a word calling him back from his judgment and calling him to his name, to his mercy. And the way he sets, of course, is his son, who is the arbitrator for the sinner, the the, um, the redeemer, 
the advocate for the sinner. And, and that's where we see in the Heavenly Council, then, the Son pleading for the sinner, the Father hearing that pleading, uh, saving the sinner, re- um, redeeming the sinner, and then the Holy Spirit dispensing that conversation, dispensing that deliberation to us here on earth. We, we say it's by the preaching of the gospel, which is accomplished by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, you, you mentioned uh, that the angels, as God creates the angels, that they have a place for that. We see pictures of it, even like in Job chapter 1, where where Satan has a place in this heavenly council, this chamber room of God, where this conversation is, is coming forth. Yes. Uh, so in, in Job, it actually speaks of, and Satan took his posting, or he, he took his place. So it wasn't just that Satan is out on a, you know, a summer day, and he decides, I'm going to show up to the Heavenly Council, and I'm going to cause some trouble. It's rather that he has a place there. And the fact that he falls into sin, he's a fallen angel, doesn't remove what he was created as. In the same way that you and I here on earth, um, if, if you have a, a man who is a father, that is his office according to the orders of creation, and that's good. Now, the fact that he may that he may do damage to his children, he may be a terrible father, he may think of himself only, that's all of sin. It's, it's uh, certainly lamentable. It should be repented of. But nevertheless, even if it's not, he still retains his office as father. So with Satan, you have this angel who was, uh, you might say, the chief angel for bringing gifts from the Heavenly Council, bringing messages from the Heavenly Council to us here on earth. And his name was the Morning Star, or um, is translated into Greek uh, as Lucifer, which means bearer of light. So Lucifer actually would have been a wonderful name to you and me. But when Lucifer falls into sin, he now becomes no longer the bearer of light, becomes the bearer of a, de- a deceiving light, his own light. Um, he's the bearer of darkness. And he's now called... Uh, Satan, which is, of course, the Hebrew word meaning the accuser. So the message he is now bringing from the Heavenly Council is not the message of light, of kindness, of of, um, the giving of life from God, but the message he's bringing is the message of accusation. Yet he still retains that posting so that when he's there in his office, in his position, instead of speaking for Job, the man, the, the man named Job down here on earth, and speak, instead of speaking for him and pleading to the Father to let him bring gifts down to Job, instead of that, he's saying the opposite. Let me bring disaster to Job. Now, this, this work that the devil's doing then is according to his office, but he's, it's against his office. It's, it's he's in office, right. but it, he's... It, 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 He's given the office, and yet he's misusing it instead of bringing gifts. In that way, we might think of um, even, let's say, the Pope at the time of Luther or something, where the Pope is certainly ordained to, to preach the gospel and minister the sacraments. That being the case, then why is the Pope, who is in the office of pastor, is called and ordained, and yet we find that here he is misusing it, and instead he's using his office to um, to what uh, bully sinners um, to use le- the leverage that he has to get 
sinners to pony up money so that he can build a chapel down in Rome. Now you you use the uh, you, you touched on the language of um, the the picture of a king's court, and mm-hmm. and and uh, and I think it's good to make that connection, especially in this conversation with the devil and the idea of office, because in the king's court, and we don't we just don't have that in the United States, uh, but it's in. In the ancient world, and and even I suppose today in monarchies, the king is there and he's sitting on the throne, but he's not sitting by himself. He has people around him, and they, and they're officials. They, in other words, they are there according to an office. Can you can you flesh out right. the picture there? Well, yeah. the the word The word in the Hebrew is count. They are his counselors, and this would be counselor not in the sense of. If I can make a small, uh, I guess, just grammatical point about spelling, it's not the counselor of C-O-U-N-S-E-L, as in let me give you some good advice or whatever, but it's rather the counselor in the sense of one who sits on a deliberative council, uh, like the counselor on a city council, so C-O-U-N-C-I-L. So around the throne are the counselors, and this ends up including then the prophets. The prophets are brought in. So a man who is a prophet here on earth, such as Moses, Abraham, um, Isaiah, all the rest, they are true men of flesh and blood, just like any of us. They're not less sinful than any other sinner. And yet they are placed in this office where they are presented at the heavenly throne, even though that may make no sense to them, humanly speaking. In other words, um, it takes a different form for each one, and later, as the Apostle Paul talks about him as an apostle witnessing the heavenly council, he says it's as if he saw a man who looked into heaven, whether the man was here on earth or in heaven, Paul says, I do not know. This is in uh, first or Second Corinthians 12, I believe. So around the heavenly throne are the angels and archangels, according to their office, so we can see there that there would be Satan, as we see in Job. There would be um, Gabriel and Michael, surely, but also other angels. And then there is, when the Lord chooses, the prophet placed there to plead, to, to hear the deliberation of the council of the heavenly council, so he can deliver it to earth, and to plead for the sinners on earth, to plead for Israel, to plead for the church before the heavenly council, saying to the Lord. Do not destroy them, for you have given them your name. This is um, a, a number of scriptures come to mind. One is like at the end of Job, when when the Lord, Lord says to Job's friends, go to Job and he will offer a sacrifice to you and you will become acceptable to me. Or Abraham, who after the king had taken Sarah as his wife uh, is, and is punished, and he, he sends him to Abraham. You pointed this out to me. And Abraham has to pray for him, the very guy that caused him all the problems, because the Lord says, Abraham is a, my prophet. Uh, yes. So that this is this inter, intercessory rule. Uh, I, I like to – oh, and the other text would be the Jeremiah 23 text, which says the, they, they right. speak a vision. They have not, the false prophets have not stood in my counsel, and the result right. is they speak a vision of their own heart. Yeah, and in Amos uh, three seven also, I believe it is where the the prophet stands in the council. In the text you mentioned about Abraham, where Abraham is the sinner, he has sinned against Abimelech. Abimelech is a a pagan king, but Abraham's the sinner. He's lied to Abimelech about Sarah, his wife. Abraham's also then obviously sinned against his wife, and yet as you say, it's Abraham 
who is to intercede so that Abimelech will be cleansed. And that is the first time in Scripture that we see the word prophet. So the first thing we can say about the prophetic office is it is the office to intercede at the heavenly throne for the sinner. I, I you, Now, you're going to laugh at me, Warren, because I like to make lists and you do not, but this is... I have a list of, I think, the, the four chief things, at least, that happened in the Heavenly Council. And this is how I try to get around uh, to, to understand this. So the, so the first would be simply the conversation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that really is what the Heavenly Council is. But then that, it's going to shake itself out in a couple different directions. That, um, that the second thing that happens at the Heavenly Council is that God makes judgments, that, that it's a court uh, room. And the the judge will declare a verdict, and that's especially important when we see, for example, the office of uh, Satan accuser as a as a legal office, and then the 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 opposing office would be the office of the advocate, which Jesus has. Uh, he's and also the prophets stood in that office in uh, in the Old Testament, the office of intercession. So so right. so we have that, and then the two other things just to mention and kind of fill out the picture is that. You, you have the hearing or the receiving of petitions. So like a king in the ancient world would receive people and he would hear their petitions, their prayers, and he would, he would listen and he would grant their prayers. And then the last thing that it happens there, this in my list of four things, is simply uh, the speaking of the praises of the king. So that the angels and all the people gathered around the throne uh, praise Father, Son, and Holy Spirit especially for the conversation and for the work that they do in the Heavenly Council. Yes, I, I might add one more. Yeah, um, good. If, if I followed your list correctly, I think it would be 1.5 to put it right before 2, I suppose. But that, it, and maybe you had it there, maybe I missed it, but it is that um, it is only from the Heavenly Council that there is a word of creation or procreation. Oh, that's great, yeah. And, and that sets it over against all the the um, violence and death coming out of the gods of the the Mormons or the Muslims or the um, polytheistic religions. Well, I, I suppose in some ways we understand that that everything that we have is proceeding forth from the heavenly council. So out of that heavenly council, the word is spoken. Let there be light, and there's light. And and then especially when it comes to the gospel, when when Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, when he takes his place as the crucified and risen Lord before the, before, and sits down on the Father's right hand, when he brings into this heavenly council his own blood and the victory of his cross, then the declaration comes forth from the heavenly council that we are righteous. Yes, and, and so the speaking of that declaration, and that's where we can think of, I think rightly, we can think of a judge issuing that sentence, if you or I are standing in front of a judge here on earth, and even if it's just for something, uh, whatever, like a speeding ticket, at the point that the judge uh, what, uh, hits his gavel and says, you are innocent, uh, and I know that I guess in the American courts we say not guilty, but, but if we can just go with the you are innocent to track more with the scriptural language, at the point that the judge says you are innocent, you and I in fact are innocent according to everything about uh, as, as a matter of law now. Well, that word spoken at the Heavenly Council, the sinner is cleansed, as Zechariah 3 has it with the Heavenly Council, where you, you put a clean turban on him, uh, or, or a, um, a regal uh, turban and a clean um, uh, cloak on him. At the point that that's 
the word is spoken at, in heaven, it is also spoken here on earth. That is, of course, the preaching of the gospel. It is the administration of the sacraments, such that Jesus can say, whosoever sinned you forgive on earth, they are forgiven in heaven. So there's no loss, there's no diminishment in this pronouncement. You and I really should understand it when, when we hear uh, a word of forgiveness for the sake of Christ spoken to us here on earth, whether in communion or at baptism or in absolution or in a sermon or a, a Christian forgiving another Christian. When we hear that word, that same verdict has been spoken in heaven. One of the things that we hear uh, when Lutherans are talking about theology, one of the old Lutheran things is that the doctrine of justification, which is what we're talking mm -hmm. about, the declaration of the righteousness of Christ uh, brought Precisely. to the sinner, the doctrine of justification is one of the uh, is that one of the metaphors of the gospel. This is how the language is expressed. You have the courtroom metaphor, justification. You have the relationship metaphor, the picture of, of Christ the husband. You have the economic metaphors of redemption. In other words, uh, one of the things that we hear talked about is that there's all these different uh, metaphors that the Holy Spirit uses to express the gospel in the scriptures. But when we understand the heavenly council right, we, we realize that justification is not a metaphor. It's, it's not a legal uh, metaphor, but it's a, it's a truth that the heavenly council is the place where the verdict of righteousness is spoken by the judge, by the eternal judge, and that that is brought to us in the preaching of the gospel, not as a metaphor, but as a reality. And I think that that would be the word, right? It's a reality. If, if what Jesus says is true, and of, and of course we confess that it is, but, but if what he says is true, that his sacrifice has been presented to the Father, and he is the cleansing of every sinner, and as it says in First John, when we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, then we are not speaking metaphorical language. We're actually saying that the Father has heard a word from the lips of his son, that the sinner be forgiven. And the Father has responded to that with a yes. God be praised. Do you have a guess, Pastor Graf, about why uh, the language of heavenly counsel has been lost in the church? Well, not, uh, not a good guess, but I think it's, I, I think it's because <laughs> of, um, it's the, shall I say, the starkness of justification. Justification means, on the one hand, it's such wonderful news. It is the wonderful news that the sinner is is uh, forgiven, is totally cleansed before the Father only by faith in Christ Jesus, Article 4 um, stuff. But at the same time, it is the death of the old man, the death of my life of, of flesh. And the thing that we know about the old Adam, about our life of flesh, is it does not want to die. It wants to hold on by the fingernails to some bit of life and say, I can make this better. I can redeem this. Just watch. And, and you know, so put me on a 40-day plan or put me on whatever, whatever humanly contrived way of how I can get myself a little bit better before God. Um, and the one thing then that my sinful flesh does not want to hear is you're justified by the blood of Jesus which means my sinful flesh wants to think that I have a God who is a coach who's going to help me get better and better each day, which is, of course, good language for a natural coach here on earth. You know, as he's coaching a, a soccer player or something, you, you, you try to get 
better and better each week. But but God is not a coach. He's in that way he's a judge, which is the most terrible news of all for my sinful flesh, because the judge can do nothing but put to death that which is abhorrent. At the same time that he's a judge who has been appealed to by the advocate Christ Jesus, that is the wonderful news that brings forth the, the new man of faith, the new Adam. So if I, I think we'd have to say that the language of the heavenly court will always be under pressure for denial as long as we're in our sinful flesh. We want a different way of understanding it in our sinful flesh. This is uh, Pastor Brian Wolfinger talking to Pastor Warren Graff about the heavenly court or the heavenly council uh, in the hopes that if you're listening, now you will see it everywhere in the scripture uh, as you read and meditate on the Lord's word, that there is a conversation that's happening between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that that conversation is also a legal conversation about you and that a verdict has been declared. And, uh, dear sinner, we rejoice that the verdict is that we are righteous because of the death of Christ. Pastor Graff, thank you very much for your thinking on this and for your talking to us on it. Any Anything else to add to the conversation? No, Brian, thank you, and, and it's been an honor. But maybe maybe one other quick thing to add, and that would be, while we're talking about justification, and that is what the preaching of the gospel, uh, the, the proclamation of this verdict from the council is about, it is also the ongoing gift of creation, because we can remember how Paul says that all things in creation are upheld by Christ's word of power, so that his word of power is not his word of forgiveness. In Scripture, that's his word of authority. That is his forgiveness, his mercy. But his word of power, it is that he and the Father and the Holy Spirit are still continually in conversation with each other, upholding this creation. So the reason that you and I um, can have hopes that when we go home tonight, there will be food in our pantry uh, is because the food is being brought forth in the fields uh, and, and in the factories that it's made in and all of that. All this is being upheld by the creative conversation at the Heavenly Council, which is just as real. And yet it's the redemptive conversation that we rejoice in because it is our it's, it's, it's our life of faith. God be praised. Thank you. Pastor Warren Graff is the pastor of Grace Lutheran Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he is tentatively the author of many an article on the Around the Word blog. <laughs> Thank you very much. Brian, thank you. It's an honor. Bye. All right. That's good.